0: Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Amen. We've been talking about taming the tongue. How many of you have been more thoughtful about what you've been saying these last few weeks? I know I have. I really have. Uh, I have been trying to pause more, to ponder more, and to pray more. I'm still finding myself in situations where I probably need to pause even more and pray even more and ponder even more, but I want to just recap what we've been talking about and then give you the last part of this series today. We started with this idea of what, not just the idea, but the the truth of the Bible that that we can't tame our tongues. It tells us that in James chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. In other words, out of one breath, we talk about how awesome God is, and then we fuss somebody out, yet that person you're fussing out is a creation of the one you're praising. So we got to think about what we're saying to people. We got to be purposeful. So if we can't tame our tongues, then who does it? We give a a little bit of an insight from God through the book of Exodus when Moses is talking to God at the burning bush. And in the fourth chapter, the 11th verse, it says, So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. You know, whether you believe this or not, you did not come out of the womb talking in coherent speech. You might have been battling and just getting it in your own language. But you had to be trained in the tongue of your parents. And depending on which country you grew up in, that tongue might be a little different, but you had to learn how to speak their language. It's the same with God. We have to learn how to speak His language. When we're talking to him and when we're talking to his creation, that's you and that's me. And with each situation, we need to think about what we're saying or about to say. We need to pause before we say stuff. We need to ponder. We need to pray about it. They can and should be done all at the same time. It shouldn't be pause, count to ten, then we'll ponder, count to ten, and then we'll pray. No, no, no. You should be doing all those at the same time. You should be pausing, pondering, and praying. So a review of pausing and what we talked about there was that means do not say anything until you know precisely what, how, and when to say it. You know, sometimes we know what we're supposed to say, but we don't think when should we say it. And we don't always think how we should say it. Despite my issues with the book of Ezekiel, He needed to say things a certain way to get through to the people. But he had to have time with the Lord, and the Lord showed him what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. James 1 19 and 20 tells us So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Slow to speak. I like the quote that says, most conversations are just alternating monologues. The question is, is there any real listening going on? I got to be honest with you, sometimes I walk away from a conversation, I don't remember what was talked about. I don't have a clue. I know what I talked about, but I don't remember what the other person said. Sometimes when I introduce myself and I get a person's name, it's not two seconds later, I don't remember what they said. Couldn't tell you their name. Man, that is bad. I know y'all don't struggle with any of that kind of stuff. My grandfather had a struggle, and I think part of it was just getting older. He couldn't hear quite as well. And I'll never forget introducing him to my brother-in-law, Daniel. I said, Grand'am, this is Daniel. He said, Steve? I said, I, what? No, Grand'am, Daniel. Oh, gotcha. David? No, Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Got it, got it, got it. I think Daniel was Steve? Pretty much the rest of his life until Granddad passed away. That's the first name he said. That's what got imprinted on his brain. Uh, in fact, I was uh, trying to teach him how to use an iPhone, and I'll never forget. We were trying to tell him all he had to do was say "Hey Siri," and he couldn't. I don't know. He, so he would say "Hey Syria." He knew the country Syria. I guess is what he thought I was saying. Well, the phone would respond to that, so I just quit training right then. I just just say "Hey Syria," that's fine. But he was having a tr- he was having struggles hearing. Uh, the words that were being spoken. My favorite would be if you ever called him on the phone, he would say at some point during that conversation, hang on, let me take out my hearing aid so I can hear you better. I still don't understand that one, but he would take out that hearing aid so he could hear you better. I think he was getting some feedback. But, you know, we all need to be a little better at hearing and not so quick to say things We talked about pondering and praying about what you should say. Ponder just means to weigh in your mind, to think about it, to reflect on what you're going to say. You ever said something and immediately you were like, "Uh uh-oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. I know I have done that a few times. I'm glad Tammy didn't laugh this time when I said that. She knows I have done that. In fact, Robert Morris said he He believes there are four types of people, and I think he's right. There are those people that think before they speak. Then there are those people that think while they're speaking. Then there are people that think after they speak, and then there are people that speak and never think. Sometimes I'm all four at one time, it feels like, all throughout the conversation. Amen? (laughs) I heard politicians, we don't want to get into that subject today, but I think you're probably on the right track there. Think about what you're going to say. Pray about what you're going to say. Even in exciting times, a lot of times we hear messages like this and we automatically think of the negative, but it can be detrimental sometimes when we get excited as well because we can deliver a word in the wrong time. We can deliver a word that we think is positive and uplifting but comes off as judgmental, and it becomes a problem because it wasn't the right tone why? Because we, we were so excited, we're thinking, why wouldn't this be a good time to give this message? But we got to do it in God's timing. we got to say it the way God wants us to say it. we got to pray about how that happens. So while you pause and while you ponder, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. we got to follow Jesus' example. His example is in John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. We should be speaking the way Jesus spoke. James tells us in the first chapter, the fifth verse, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask. Have that relationship with the Lord. But definitely pause ponder and pray. We've talked about all those over the last three messages. Today, I want to bring you the fourth part of this idea of taming your tongue. And without this piece right here, I promise you your tongue will never be tamed. We have to learn how to chop down trees of bitterness. And in fact, I'll go one step further. We got to learn how to stop planting the seeds that grow into trees of bitterness. That's what I want to talk to you about today. That's the main focus of today is chopping down trees of bitterness. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, let me slow down a little bit. Let me go to 1 Thessalonians or is, uh, was it Larry used to say Thessalupians? I don't know how that was easier, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what our speech should sound like. Therefore, comfort each other And edify one another, just as you are doing. If what we're saying to people is not edifying them, then perhaps we don't need to say it. And despite how Ezekiel reads, it was meant for edification. So it's not always just this nice, polite, you know, sprinkles on top word. It can be a challenging word. It can be what some people take as a confrontational word, but if it's done with the right tone and the right time and the right words as God leads, then that is also edifying. But our speech to everybody should be edifying. We should be pursuing peace. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, tells us this, starting in the 14th verse. Pursue peace with all people. I told Wednesday night group, I wish the writer had written that differently. Because I can pursue peace with many people, but with all people? You want to go, Lord, have you met some of the people that I'm dealing with in this world? I got to pursue peace with them. Why don't they pursue peace with me? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. There's that mention of the root of bitterness. In the Old Testament, this was not a new concept. It was talked about in the Old Testament. The book of Deuteronomy, 29th chapter, 18th verse says, So that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God. To go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. This is not a new subject. It's not a new concept. The Lord was talking about it in the old times, in the Old Testament, and He's talking about it now in the New Testament. He's not just talking about the world, He's talking about Christians. In fact, in Hebrews, the writing to Christians, right? The writer's writing to Christians, talking about pursue peace with all people lest a root of bitterness spring up and defile others. This root of bitterness has got a few meanings in the Bible. One of the meanings is gall. Gall is like, I think of bile. If you've ever been through uh, medical stuff or watching these shows, it's just gross, just nasty stuff. But maybe you don't know the term gall. Let me give you some words that are like gall, some synonyms. You've heard of animosity or bad blood, a grudge, or hostility. That's all representative of bitterness, as described in the Bible. Another biblical meaning is hatred. Hatred. My mom and dad protected us so much against hating other people. I'll never forget being at the ballpark one day, and I was really frustrated with a a friend of mine who happened to be a girl, and I just said, man, I hate so-and-so. I don't remember the name. I, I wrote it in the dirt there on the baseball field, and my mom saw that, and she lectured me and told me that's not appropriate. We shouldn't hate anybody. I explained my frustration with her. She understood, but she said, you still can't hate her. You can dislike her, but you can't hate her. I said, okay, and I understood, and I walked off. And my mom called me from the field and said, whoa, whoa, whoa where are you going? I said, well, I thought we were done. She said, we're not done. Would you come back here and erase that word, <laughs> hate, off the ground? Made me erase it. Didn't want anything to do with that. Why? Because the second we give in to this thought of hating somebody, we even confess it out of our mouths, it begins to take root. And that's where that root of bitterness comes from that we're talking about. The one I want to deal with most today, though, is the meaning producing bitter fruit. When you talk about a root of bitterness, you're talking about producing bitter fruit. We know the standard by which we should be judging our actions, and that should be the fruit of the Spirit. We see a list of those in Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There are two more that are in verse 23. I realized that this morning, but there's also gentleness and self-control. I don't guess I wanted to express those today, but they are in there. What's the point of making that list? Well, if your life is not producing this kind of fruit, there's something wrong. There's an issue. If you buy a pear tree and it produces apples, you didn't plant a pear tree. It's just that simple. Whatever you're planting is going to spring up. So if you allow bitterness to be in your life, it's going to go from just being a seed and something small into something huge. It can become a tree, a big, big tree. It ruins your life and ruins the lives around you. Isn't that what it said in Hebrews there? At the last part of verse 15 in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Maybe you didn't think about this, but as a Christian, it's not just your life we're talking about. Your actions don't affect just your life. It affects the people around you. And so, if you're allowing bitterness to rise up in you, it's going to come out of your own life and it's going to cause problems in the people's lives around you. You know, all fruit carries seeds. Everybody got a favorite fruit? What's your favorite fruit? Nobody said tomatoes, did you? A tomato's a fruit, I'm told. I don't know, I guess mine would be probably cantaloupe. I really enjoy cantaloupe. Tammy's is, I don't know if she buys those blackberries all the time, but I don't know if that's her favorite. That's your favorite? All right, I did pretty good. Paid attention. Whenever you eat the fruit, maybe you haven't done this or you don't realize it, some of them are obvious like watermelon and um, uh, sometimes grapes. I know you can buy seedless watermelon and seedless grapes now, but, but when you bite into them, you have to be careful because there's a seed in there. Right, those seeds can be planted, and they can produce other uh, watermelons and other tomatoes. And you know, there's seeds inside of that fruit that hasn't been engineered to not have seeds, right? But there's seeds in fruit. Well, guess what? There are seeds in our words. We we're, we're spitting seeds everywhere we talk. We can create trees of love, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can create those seeds in our life and in others' lives. But we can also create bad seed. We can create those bitterness seeds and bitterness trees. So it's extremely important that we think about what we're saying. It's important that that we take inventory of what's coming out of our mouth because guess what? Whatever's coming out of our mouth is what's in our heart. And so what I want to talk to you about today to finish up is to talk about how to deal with that. How do you deal with it when you realize you've got a seed of bitterness or even a tree of bitterness? First of all, if somebody's name or an event or a place triggers you, if the mention of somebody or something causes you to twitch a little bit maybe, causes that eye to just blink uncontrollably, you know, You know, hives start to break out. That's a pretty good indicator that you might have some bitterness there. You know, if it causes you to start lashing out uncontrollably, you might have some bitterness there. That's a pretty good test and an indicator of do you have seeds of bitterness in your life. So once you recognize that there's issues going on in your life, how do you deal with them? How do you chop down those trees of bitterness? Because without chopping down those trees of bitterness, our tongues will never fully be tamed. Chopping down those trees of bitterness can be a lot of work. But it's a simple solution. When you think about chopping trees down, in the old days they didn't have chainsaws. They just had an axe. Or a, or a saw where you got two people on one on each side, and you just go back and forth with that saw till you get through that tree and it gets chopped down. It's a lot of work. Even with a chainsaw, depending on how big that tree is, it's a lot of work to get through that tree. I had Keith Blackburn out at my house Friday. God bless him. He and Avery did a phenomenal job on my yard, but I've let those hedges grow up for about three years now without any kind of uh, maintenance on them. And I'm sitting inside the house and just enjoying the air conditioning and letting them get out there and sweat a little bit for me. And they're trimming those hedges. And, man, I tell you what, they must have worked for at least an hour, it felt like, just on the hedges. At one point, you, you heard the motor going, and then it stopped. And Tammy looked at me, she said, they probably had to go get another blade. It was a lot of work to get those hedges under control. They'd grown wild. You know, the bigger a tree is, that means the longer it's been around. Right? The, the more it's seen Well, that's the same thing with these trees of bitterness that spring up in our lives. Leanne and Bev uh, have been part of ministry, and several of you here have done living waters. That's the same idea where we're trying to get to these uh, roots of bitterness, these trees of bitterness that are in people's lives through inner healing. Sometimes we don't even realize what's causing the problem, and I love the process that they take us through. They don't sit in there and tell you everything that could be wrong with your life. You know what they do? They simply sit there with you and ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And then they walk you through what you're seeing or what you're hearing and help you understand. And it happens every time when somebody sits with them. And I've had this personal experience. Something will come up. They'll begin to lead uh, us through some healing and it'll be a situation I never even thought of. Let me give you an example in my own life, what I'm talking about here. And then I promise I'm going to give you the last part of the answer. But I've struggled with my weight over the years. Uh, it's the one thing that I really have struggled to have a lot of self-control in. And that's just eating. It's become my go-to for everything. And so I sat down with uh, Leanne and with Bev. And they walked me through uh, this process. And they just asked me to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the cause of why I just couldn't stop eating because it's not like I'm sitting there going, man, I really want to be huge. That just seems like the right lifestyle for me. And while I'm eating, it's fun, but the after part of that is just just—it's a problem. And I guarantee you, anybody that's carrying a lot of weight, it's not like they want to be that big. There's some self-control issues. So I had to figure out what's causing this. I'm, I feel like a pretty smart man. And there are other areas of my life where I've been able to stop cold turkey, the things I was doing that were not right. Well, what's going on here, Lord? And I'm, I'm praying. And the Lord reminds me that growing up, Mama would not let us have uh, Coke very often. Very seldom. Now, she said it was because that wasn't good for us, but after paying for this stuff myself, I think it's more that she didn't want to spend that money on us for soda. But, But because I I didn't get that growing up, and while that may seem like a minor thing, it became a trigger for me where it was like, I'm grown now. Nobody can tell me what to eat and what not to eat. I get to decide that. And it became a, a, a place where I could control my life. And I could do what I wanted to do without anybody else telling me. And without even realizing it, I don't know that it was a tree of bitterness, but there was some bitterness sown there that I'd been controlled. Now, the reality is my parents were being my parents. And that's the thing about bitterness. Sowing seeds of bitterness doesn't have to be what actually happened. It's what we perceive happening. So I'm perceiving this lack of control. I'm perceiving this this punishment, basically. And so then I start getting to eat whatever I want to. And now nobody can tell me to not do this. And when they do, that pride rises up. And that potential bitterness begins to get planted again. Uh -uh, Nobody can tell me. But unless that gets dealt with, I never get true freedom I never get true restoration. And so we, we prayed, and I've dealt with that part. And now what's happened is it's no longer an issue from that standpoint. Now it is learning how to eat properly. Now it is going back through the process that I avoided for so long. And that's the same with us. As we identify these, these seeds of bitterness, these trees of bitterness, we've got to get them chopped down, and then we've got to go through a process to where we don't allow those to be sown again, where we don't allow those trees to, to, to spring up. Where when they even present, we take care of them before they ever have a chance to grow. How do we do that? How do we chop those down? Matthew chapter 3 gives us some insight into this. The first verse says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's a salvation call, isn't it? Absolutely. But repentance goes for more than just your salvation. When we make mistakes, that's the only way we get true freedom is if we recognize it and we repent. We repent. When you read the story of David and the prophet Nathan coming to him and telling him that he had sinned, he couldn't just come right out and tell David, hey, you sinned, buddy. So he told him this story, and he asked the king what he would do in that case, and King David said, I would kill him. And Nathan said, well, that man in the story is you. And all of a sudden the revelation came and David repented because he realized that he had messed up, that he had sinned. Repentance restores us. Repentance takes away the the resources of the enemy. Repentance stops those seeds of bitterness from ever taking root. So yes, John was talking about repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and we need salvation, but it's not just for salvation. In fact, if you have given your life to the Lord, that part of your repentance is done. What I'm talking about is as you're walking out your salvation, as you're walking out your journey, as Paul said, he died uh, daily. He crucified his flesh daily. Why? Because it still rises up. So when that flesh wins out, we got to go back and we got to repent. And then in the 10th verse of that same chapter, it says, And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's a lot of imagery there for salvation and eternal life but it goes with the root of bitterness and what we're talking about here. If you want to chop down those trees of bitterness, you need to repent. You know, it's the other person that made me mad. It's the other person that sowed that bitterness. No, 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 it's us for holding on to it. It's us for allowing it to take root. It's us for allowing it to grow in our lives. In fact, I'll tell you that as the Lord reveals to you that you're bitter about something, he's not doing that to point fingers and say, aha, look at that. He's doing that so that you can deal with the issue. So rather than being prideful and lie to ourselves and say, oh, I don't really have this problem or that problem, God is revealing it to you so that you can say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Repent means turn away from it. You may mess up again later on, but your goal should not be to do the same thing. Repent. Repent. Repentance is for what we have sown in other people's lives. If you have said harsh words, if you've torn people down, if you've spoken curses, that's what repentance is for. But the other side of that is forgiveness. And just as Jesus forgives us, we have to forgive others. Forgiveness is for when others have sown seeds of bitterness in our life. Because if we don't forgive them, they will take root and they will spring up into trees of bitterness. But they didn't come to me and say they were sorry. It doesn't matter. When Jesus was hanging on the cross before he died, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They weren't crowding around the cross saying, I'm sorry. They weren't asking for forgiveness at that point in time. But yet he said, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. We have to take that same philosophy with people in our lives. When they speak things in our lives, first of all, we don't have to accept what they're saying. But then we have to forgive them whether they ever ask for it or not. Otherwise, we are the ones that carry around that tree of bitterness. And it is not comfortable. It is not comfortable. So you see, forgiveness is extremely important. And without repentance and without forgiveness, we cannot tame our tongues fully. We cannot have our tongues tamed by the Lord. Because you see, the Lord preaches repentance and forgiveness. So if you want to chop down trees of bitterness in your life, you've got to repent and you've got to forgive. How often? It's hmm, a good question. Matthew 18 tells us how often we should forgive others. 21st verse, then Peter came to him, talking about Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? See, Peter was putting a a, a number on there that seemed outrageous and far-fetched. I got to let him do this to me seven times, Lord, and forgive him? Jesus countered with this. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times. And right there, if Peter had quit listening, he might have been happy. Yes, I was right. I don't have to forgive him up to seven times. But Jesus continued and he said, but up to 70 times seven. And anytime I bring this verse up, I always remind you that it's not like Jesus was saying, if it reaches 490 times, then on the 491st time, you don't have to forgive him. That's not the point he was making. The point he's making is he's saying, you think it's seven, I'm telling you it's infinity. It's forever. If somebody does something against you, forgive them. Because, see, we, we, we misunderstand. By holding that grudge, it lets it turn into hate. By not forgiving, it hurts us. It hurts our life. Most of the time, the other person's not even thinking about it. We're the ones that are wrestling with it. So until we forgive them, And not just speak the words, but truly forgive them in our heart. We will never have true freedom, and we will never be able to have our tongues fully tamed. And then what's going to happen is at some point we are going to explode. And I don't know about you, but in my life I've exploded on people because of something somebody else has done to me. And it wasn't always that person I exploded on. Why? Because that seed of bitterness had been planted in my life, and I allowed it to grow, and it manifested against somebody else that simply said something similar to what had hurt me before. Why? Because I did not fully forgive the previous person. Let me wrap up with this right here. We should be purposeful about our speech. We should be looking to encourage people, to edify, to lift up the name of Jesus through our speech. We do this by pausing before we speak, by by pondering and thinking about what we should say and asking the Holy Spirit, asking the Lord what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and by praying, but we must also deal with any seeds, roots, or trees of bitterness So I encourage you, diagnose your life. How do you diagnose your life? You simply say this right here. Holy Spirit, search me. Search me. If there be anything in my life that's not of you, reveal it to me, Lord. If there be any bitterness, hatred, if there be anything in my life that's not of you, Lord, reveal it to me, Father God. Again, be aware of your reactions when people's names are brought up. Or maybe when you see a person or an event or an activity, if it starts to cause you to tense up, if you're starting to have issues, then there's something there that needs to be dealt with. Something there that needs to be dealt with. And chop down any trees of bitterness by repenting and forgiving. Amen? If you stand to your feet, I'll remind you what James 3 said, and I'll finish with this. We started out James 3, the 8th verse says, if the tongue is full of deadly poison, right? It says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Tammy said this Wednesday night, if the tongue is full of deadly poison, as James says, then repentance and forgiveness are the antidote. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.